Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. guest today on Song of the Soul is Nancy O'Neill. Nancy is a lifelong American Baptist and a lover of music, including decades of bringing music to Eau Claire's First Baptist Church. Daughter of an American Baptist minister, she has grown from conservative beginnings to embrace more of the world and to embrace its people more widely. All of the songs that Nancy will be sharing in her Song of the Soul are songs that she will be singing and playing herself. Nancy, thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you. appreciate you asking me to be here. I think I've known you since the very first visit that I had to the First Baptist Church, where the Quaker meeting is now lodged. You're an organist for First Baptist Church, right? That's right. I've been organist there about five years. And you have a role with the choir? I direct the choir when our director is gone, and I work with a special music and that sort of thing, and I do some singing myself. I'm just involved with the music. Have you been musically inclined uh, all or most of your life? I think I probably sang my first solo at about two years old. I was uh, Jesus Loves Me was probably what it was. So I've done a lot of, lot of singing and took piano lessons very early and took organ lessons when I was in high school. And so I've been involved with music as long as I can remember, and especially church music. Is this the kind of thing where you can make a living off of it too? Not really, no. There is some pay for church organists, but most of the rest of it is just something that I enjoy to do very much. 
Do you do only religious music, or can you do a Scott Joplin ragtime, and can you do all those things? I have been doing just in the last two or three years. I have a sister-in-law and brother-in-law that have a bed and breakfast down in Galena, Illinois, and they have music concerts, and so I've done a Gershwin concert, and and I also did, um, oh, a Valentine's Day program with love songs and that sort of thing. So I like to do that, too. I think you're a lifelong Baptist, right? Yes, I have been a Baptist of one sort or another all my life. When you say one sort or another, a lot of our listeners may not have any idea of what kind of varieties of Baptists are out there. Can you explain a little bit about the Baptist world you grew up in and where it is now? There are probably as many varieties of Baptists as there are grains of sand. (laughs) There's a lot of Baptist denominations ranging all the way from very conservative to very liberal and everything in between. There were probably only the Northern Baptist and the Southern Baptist when I was a child. That changed in the 50s where the conservative Baptists split from the Northern Baptists. The Southern Baptists became much more apart from the American Baptists as we were renamed, I think, in the 60s. The American Baptists have a tendency to have uh, a broad range of people in their churches. People seem to be more able to accept differences differences of thought, and that's where you get into some problems. When you get into your more conservative groups, they like for you to have the same thoughts, and especially as far as theology is concerned. So that's one of the main differences between the American Baptists and some of the others. There's also General Conference Baptists, which used to be the Swedish Baptists. There's North American Baptists, which used to be the German Baptists. So there's just a whole variety of them. I think that the number of Baptists must have been what God was referring to when he said, be fruitful and multiply. You were raised Northern Baptist, which has become American Baptist. Was this then a relatively open-minded or liberal upbringing that you had? Fairly conservative, I would say, in the early years. We, We didn't do any card playing. We didn't do any attending of movies. We didn't do any dancing, anything like that. That has changed probably in the last 20 years, 20 to 30 years, has become never preached about, that's for sure, and become a much more of an individual decision. So that's the way I I grew up in the 40s and the 50s. I think it began changing probably for some of us probably in the 60s. You were raised American Baptist. Was there a point in your life, Nancy, when you decided you'd check out the rest of the world, or did you just have to go along with the family? You haven't mentioned yet that you were a preacher's kid. Yes, I was a preacher's kid, and I uh, I think through the early part of my life, I just accepted that that was what I was to be, was a Baptist. I didn't uh, I married a Baptist. And we stayed in this area and raised our children in a Baptist church. I think the older I become, the more I realize that I have made a conscious decision now to be an American Baptist and to stay with this particular congregation because that's where I live. But many of the things that American Baptists stand for are something that are very dear to my heart. I also have feel that I have grown immensely in my acceptance and tolerance of people who don't have 
the same beliefs that I have and uh, have have experienced a, a lot of, of growth in that area, probably only in the last 10 years even. It's a wonderful experience. Let's start going through some of your songs. You already mentioned the first one in your Song of the Soul. You said maybe you were two years old when you did your first performance of Jesus Loves Me. What kind of venue would you have been singing for? Probably in a children's program. I always liked to sing, and so they were always looking for somebody that would be willing to sing, and so that's probably where I did it. Are you a flaming extrovert? No, I'm very shy in some respects, and was through the years, but I always loved to sing and to play. Well, we're going to listen here to Nancy's first song in her Song of the Soul, songs she sang when she was two, and she's going to be performing for us now, Jesus Loves Me. The second song is also part of your childhood? The song is I Love to Tell a Story, and that's probably one of the ones that I remember growing up as a very favorite song that was sung. And it also kind of is a way that I can express my faith. I love to tell a story in song. That's why I chose that particular song. If Baptists didn't have singing as part of their service, would you be a Baptist still? No. <laughs> no, a Baptist thank God, still have singing. <laughs> so, But I would have a hard time if there were no singing and no music. That would be very difficult. We're going to listen to I Love to Tell the Story. Again, this is performed by Nancy. Was it very hard being a preacher's kid? Were you expected to be really perfect and never have any of the fun that all those other kids at school got to have? There were times when it was a little bit difficult, but we felt like we were such a part of a group. My family felt like we we were part of the ministry, 
And we really didn't, I don't remember resenting being a minister's kid. We just felt like we were part of the ministry, and we had plenty of fun besides. So even though we didn't do all those things that uh, I said we didn't, (laughs) we still had fun. Do you remember what age you were when you saw your first movie? Yes, I do remember, and I remember the name of the movie, believe it or not. Love is a many-splendored thing, and I was 16 years old. And uh, I went to a slumber party and found out they were going to a movie. And believe it or not, I called home and said, "Uh, I'm going to a movie. Is that okay? And they very wisely said, yes, that would be fine. (laughs) So, But yes, I do remember. I assume you've seen a lot of movies since then and no longer consider it as part of your faith. Can you play cards, too? Yes, I'm not a very good card player because you, you usually have to learn a little earlier. But uh, yes, no, I don't have any problem with that at all. The next song that you've chosen, The Love of God, how does this fit into your spiritual journey, Nancy? I was probably about six years old, and my father was a minister in Wheaton, Illinois, at the Baptist Church there. And part of his ministry was to go into the Pacific Garden Mission a rescue mission downtown Chicago, and I love to go with him. I love to go with him anywhere because I uh, love to go visiting, and, and uh, so I went into the rescue mission with him, and this was a song that I used to sing. I was so short I had to stand on a chair so I could be seen, but uh, it was called The Love of God, and it talks about the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell and that it is there for people, no matter what their lives have been, that the love of God is available for them. What was a rescue mission like in that area of Chicago? Pretty grim. Pretty grim. The the men were required to come to the worship service before they could be fed, and so they were intent on coming. It was pretty sparse, not like the rescue missions are now. You know, and much more was required of the people, I think, that they had to come. This was the way they figured they would help them, you know, if they had to be in church, that they would they would learn. and that the, and they, But they also, of course, were fed after they went to church. Well, let's listen to The Love of God. She sang it when she was six years old for the rescue mission around Chicago, and Nancy is again singing it for us here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin.
Nancy, your fifth song for your Song of the Soul is Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. How do you connect with this one? Where does it fit into your history? My dad had a big, booming voice and loved to sing, loved to sing, lead the congregation in, in songs. And this was one of his favorite praise hymns, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. And I can still hear him singing if I listen real carefully to this particular hymn. Are these songs that we've been going through, are they songs that you would sing currently at First Baptist? Very definitely. We sang over 4,000 tongues to sing not too many Sundays ago. Well, let's listen here to All 4,000 Tongues to Sing. Nancy will be singing it, one of her father's favorite hymns. If he loved O oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing, could he really boom out How Great Thou Art? Yes, he could, and that was one of his favorites, more of a contemporary. When I say contemporary, it was written in the 70s, probably. So I know that sounds funny to say, but 
how great the art became a favorite of so many people in the 80s and the 90s. It continues, and in the year 2000 continues to be probably one of the most requested songs that I get for funerals. And for I, I play for three nursing homes in Eau Claire. If they have a choice to make, How Great Thou Art comes up a lot of times. And it is one of my favorites also. You're a nurse in part, and you're a musician in part. I've done folk dancing programs and such for nursing homes, and it takes a certain amount of spiritual energy to go into such a place where many people are failing and not all there. How do you prepare for doing this music in a nursing home or these other places with people who are really seriously ill? The worship services that I do, a lot of the people are still very much involved in life. Uh, although uh, the Severson home, some of the people are having some problems with dementia. But I find that so many people, even if they can't put a sentence together, they can appreciate music and they can sing. I know my dad, this was something that we, he was a resident of the Severson home. At times when he could not put a sentence together in the later stages of his disease, he could still sing every verse of the hymns, and he could pray like you wouldn't believe. So there must be some part of the brain that maintains, remembers these songs, and music seems to be a really important way to reach people. Let's listen here to Nancy as she sings How Great Thou Art. Consider all the worlds thy hands have 
Did your family sing together, Nancy? Did you sing hymns at home? Uh, was it the kind of thing that, for all I know, you could have had a family chorus? How many children were there in the family? I had one brother and three sisters, and myself, and my mother and dad both sang. And so, yes, we did sing together. And we, uh, in fact, every Christmas when we were in Wheaton, I mean in Eau Claire Church, uh, we put on a program called the Happy Gospel Hour or something. The church had this program already, but we put on the Christmas show always, <laughs> and we sang together, and um, and we did a lot of singing at home also. This was just, just a part of growing up. I think this next song is one of the songs that was a family favorite, wasn't it? Yes, this next song, God Will Take Care of You, was... I remember hearing this song since I was just a little child, and in recent years I have looked at the words and realized how meaningful they were to me through some very difficult times in my own life, that no matter what, God will take care of you, that God is there to be a part of your life. And uh, this actually, we sang this as family when both of my parents were, uh, particularly my mother, when she was dying, because everyone was there, it was very meaningful as a family to be able to sing that. So you're saying that your brothers and sisters all sing together? They're not too bashful to sing together? We, in fact, just about two years ago now, we had a family reunion in Eau Claire, and we had probably 30 in the choir, and they were all members of the family, children, nieces, nephews, you know, sisters, brothers. I have one brother, and one brother who's an American Baptist pastor in La Crosse. He has done his share of singing through the years, too. And I have both of my sisters sing and play the piano. All three of my sisters, I should say, sing and play the piano. So, yeah, we did. We <laughs> and we continue to do so when we get together. Not a shy singing voice in the lot? Don't think so, no. Well we'll listen here to Nancy as she sings God will take care of you.
seems, Nancy, that these songs, in addition to inspiring you at times, are really a great solace to you. And I think this next song is one of the songs that comforted your heart uh, in one of the tough times in your life. Yes, in uh, 1998, uh, my son, who was 38 years old at the time, died of a heart attack on January 1st. And uh, he had had some problems with alcohol and, and depression through the years, but this was not expected. This was very unexpected. I thought at the time that my life surely had ended, that this was not something that I could... You don't expect your children to die before you. And so this song was played at his funeral and sung at his funeral. It was, Great is thy faithfulness, and talks about the faithfulness of God in all circumstances. And then probably six months later, my husband of 42 years decided that he was not going to be a part of our marriage anymore and left. And that was indeed one of the worst times of my life. And there again, this song became so very precious to me, very special, that God does not change. His faithfulness continues. And then a very short while after that, my mother died very suddenly. It was Easter Sunday, and she had been talking about how wonderful it would be to be with Dad on Easter Sunday. And she came to my house, called and said, Could I come to your house? This was in the evening. She said, I'm really lonely. And drove up to my door and came up on my porch and came in. And I had a cup of tea ready for her, and we sat down, and she died in right there. It was a, a terrible experience and a wonderful experience both. I, I saw her face became as glowing as an angel, and I knew she was in the presence of God. And uh, so, But those, those three events together made for some of the worst years in my life. And many of these hymns that I have sung were very special to me then, but particularly, Great is Thy Faithfulness. When you lose a husband of 42 years and your children are grown away from home for the most part, who becomes your family? I was very blessed to have a wonderful church family that gave ongoing support. They were wonderful. I was very blessed to have my extended family to be just there for me. My husband's extended family was there for me, just wonderful. I had so much support. And uh, my children, of course, we, we were there for each other. But there were some very lonely days, and it was a, t- it was a tough time. And the Lord was there for me in a, a new and special way that I had never experienced before. Soon after, probably six months after when our divorce was in progress, Valleybrook Church downtown was uh, had something called divorce care. And I thought, oh, I, I just don't think I can do anything like that. But I was doing having some counseling at the time at the healing place. And the counselor there said, you know, that might be very good for you if you went and talked with some people who were going through some of the same situations that you are. 
So I did, and I think I cried through the first two or three sessions because it was the, the material was so painful to discuss. But little by little, and with the support of the, the group, and, and I began to listen to what was being said. And it's a very uh, spiritually based group that talks about God's help in this kind of a situation. And so uh, little by little, I was able to, to come around and, and receive the help that I needed. And in the last three years, I uh, decided, you know, how can I help in this sort of a thing? Because there are many people that are hurting in the city of Eau Claire. I know the pain that people go through in this kind of situation. And so I started facilitating a group called Divorce Care at First Baptist. And we have had an average of... Uh, probably four to six people at a time for a 13-week session. And uh, I've seen many people be able to realize that there was life after divorce and to help them to get through it. And that, that's very meaningful to me. If any of our listeners were interested in divorce care, how would they access that service? We are starting again this next Sunday at 6.30 in the evening at First Baptist Church, 4th and Niagara in Eau Claire. And just come. It's at 6.30. You don't have to make pre-registration or anything. Or if you would like to call and get more information, my telephone number, I can give that to you, is 834-6199. And I'd be glad to give you information. I assume they can also get you through the First Baptist Church. If they just look up First Baptist Church in the phone book at the office there, I think they're there in the mornings, four mornings a week. One particular night when I was having a real struggle with sleep during my divorce, I woke up with this song on my mind and being played in my mind, and it was entitled, It Is Well With My Soul, and it talks about the struggles that can happen and the problems of life, and yet the Lord is there and can help it to be well with our soul. And that's why I've included this one. Well, for Nancy's next song and her song of the soul, Nancy will sing, It Is Well With My Soul. Well, it- 
Nancy, do you treat songs, these hymns, kind of like their prayers? Do you pray your hymns? Yes, in fact, I think many times I pray the words of songs because that's they're so familiar to me and they're they're in my head. The next one is a song, but it's also perhaps the most common Christian prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as it is known. Uh, when did you start singing this one? Well, I probably started singing for weddings when I was 13, 14 years old. And this is probably one of the most popular songs that is requested for weddings. It's one of the most pleasant things that I enjoy doing, playing for weddings. The enjoyment and the the happiness that's going on. And uh, the Lord's Prayer is one of my favorites, as well as it being such a universal prayer. Well, let's listen to Nancy as she sings... The Lord's Prayer. Nancy, things have changed so much over the years. I grew up Catholic, even though I'm Quaker now, 
And I remember when it was really considered a mixed marriage for someone who was Catholic to marry a Protestant, and probably between different Protestant denominations the same way. I think you work as a nurse at Sacred Heart Hospital, and those are Catholics, aren't they? Very much so, although I kid Father Clemick that he's really a Baptist in Catholic clothes, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I've worked at Sacred Heart for 25 years now. One of the most meaningful things about working at Sacred Heart is St. Francis of Assisi is the patron saint of the sisters at Sacred Heart. And the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace, I would like to think that it has become my goal and my prayer for my life and the rest of my life, what I can do, because it speaks of, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And Lord knows we need peace in this world, personal peace and and peace in the world. So that is why I've chosen that, to sing. It reminds me of my work as a nurse, and it reminds me of some of the other things that I do in ministry also. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. There's a group called the Baptist Peace Fellowship, isn't there? Yes, there certainly are. They're very active in our denomination, in our state. They uh, do a lot of different things toward the peace movement. Yes, they're very active. If our listeners don't have any sense of where Baptists stand on this, particularly if they think that all Baptists are like the Southern Baptists, how would the American Baptists and the folks at First Baptist compare in terms of thinking about peace with maybe Southern Baptists? The beauty of being an American Baptist is that we don't have to have a stand and say that we adopt it as a group. We have probably people all the way from being very military-minded to people who are would be in a peace movement and would have gone to Canada during the Vietnam era. So we have a broad range of people in our church. Are you saying that the hawks and the doves can live peacefully together in the Baptist fellowship here? That's what we strive for. Let's listen to Nancy's rendition of Lord, Make Me an Instrument of Thy Peace.
Nancy, about how much live music do you end up performing in the world for weddings? I mean, how busy are you with this kind of thing? In the summer, I'm usually pretty busy. June is a big month for weddings. August, I do a lot of, of that sort of thing in, in the summertime. I also do a, a fair amount of, if you consider live music as funerals, <laughs> that's kind of contradictory, I guess, but I do quite a bit of those. And then I do a lot of the nursing home worship services, plus our own worship service, plus playing for various groups. Oh, I play for Church Women United occasionally, and I play for the different groups. So does that mean that four, five, six times a week you're performing music? Could very well be in a given week, yes. Well, let's come to the second to the last song in your Song of the Soul. It's The Gift of Love. I think this is a relatively new song uh, compared to maybe the other ones, maybe not compared to some of our younger listeners. Yes, 1 Corinthians 13 is the topic of the song about the gift of love, how important love is. If you don't have love, you have nothing. The water is wide. The tune is a very familiar tune. I've chosen that for the second to the last song because it, I love the melody and I love the words. Nancy, I interviewed a member of your church, Jane Truscott, who's in a relationship with another woman. The stereotype I had of Baptists, certainly growing up, is that lesbians would not be allowed in the church, that uh, they'd be chased out of the church as sinners. And Jane certainly found some welcome at your church. How is that approached at First Baptist? At First Baptist, we have probably a very broad spectrum as far as welcoming and affirming doctrine, if you call it that, is concerned. I'm sure there are people who do not understand the lesbian relationships. There are people who think, yes, indeed, this is what we need to do. But we are accepting of one another because when Jane and Jill came, what they told us was that they love the Lord, and that they want to be a part of our congregation. That was what was necessary. We don't ask people whether they're heterosexual. We don't ask people whether they're homosexual. They wanted to be a part of our congregation and have been a very active part of our congregation, and we're going to miss them. They're going to be moving. But it's been a growth experience for me, and it's been a growth experience for many of our congregation and I I think a good experience. Well, in honor of that enlarging heart of love, let's listen to Nancy as she sings The Gift of Love.
Nancy, you said that your congregation is not officially voted as a welcoming and affirming congregation. For those who welcome, I think, people, whatever their sexual preference is, what kind of statement does describe your church? There is a document that's put out called We Are American Baptists, and I was looking at it, and and this is one of the things that struck me that would fit in with this. First of all, we're a caring people who care for the needy, the weak, and the oppressed, who care for the earth and its creatures. And then we're an inclusive people who, gifted by a variety of backgrounds, find unity in diversity and diversity in unity, who embrace a pluralism of race, ethnicity, and gender, and who acknowledge that there are individual differences of conviction and theology. I think we've got one more song in your Song of the Soul. Why did you choose Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace is probably the most inclusive, well-known hymn in all of Christendom. I've heard it sung in every denomination that I can think of. And to me, it expresses the love of God and, and, and what this is all about. Let's listen for Nancy's final song and her song of the soul. We'll listen to Amazing Grace.
You know, Nancy, I'm sure you're going to disappoint a lot of people because uh, now that they've heard you sing, they're going to say, where can we get your CD? <laughs> well, this CD was made just by my son, who is has a music studio though, in Eau Claire. So if you're interested, I can certainly get you a copy. It's Giant Gumball Studios and Michael Neal. So I gave him a little plug now, so he ought to be glad. <laughs> But thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk with you. Thanks very much, Nancy. My guest today on Song of the Soul has been Nancy O'Neill of Eau Claire's First Baptist Church. You can hear this program again via my website, northernspiritradio.org, where you'll also find additional information about this and other programs. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can be